0: I'm so glad you're here this morning as we kick off our uh, brand new series. If I haven't met you, because I see a couple new faces. If I haven't met you, my name is David. Um, I'm the pastor here. And uh, this morning, what we're talking about as we kick off this new series, we're talking about living on mission. Um, And so this morning, we're going to do something a little bit different. um, As we kick off this series, I'm going to just look at um, a couple texts that really uh, help us see how to be the church. Um, and as, uh, as we look at this text, um, what we're going to do over the next five weeks um, is we are going to take our church mission statement and break it down. Um, I'm going to see if we can turn down the mic a little, maybe a little bit. There we go. My voice can carry, so we'll just go with my voice. That'll work. Uh, But this morning we start this new series where uh, if you've noticed on your program, on the front of your program, is a paragraph on the blue side that is our CTK mission statement. And on this mission statement, we've broken it over the next five weeks to talk about different topics in this. And the first is to be authentic Christian community. And so what I thought would be great for us to do, because this is not just something for me to rehearse or to go off of, but for all of us to understand what is the mission of our church. And our own mission statement here at Christ the King is really just a reflection of the true mission in the Bible. And so as we look at our mission statement, what I thought would be great is for us to together... Out loud, declare this. And so it, whether you look on your program or we'll have it on the screen, I want to read this together. Let's read this. To create an authentic Christian community that effectively reaches out to the unchurched with love, acceptance, and forgiveness so that they may experience the joy of salvation and a purposeful life of discipleship. Now there's a lot in there. That's a whole paragraph of information. And so this week, we're just going to look on what does it mean to be an authentic Christian community? Now, we've titled this Living on Mission, and there's a very specific reason why I titled that. Because you and I, as believers in Christ, are called to go live on mission, to go be missional. Now, missional or missional living is basically just a term that describes a person whose lifestyle reflects, reflects being on mission. And for some, that means globally and going overseas. For others, it means right in their backyard. They're a missionary where they are at. And So this morning, we're going to look at the aspect of being a missionary where we're at here in this building as authentic Christian community. Now, see, I'm, I'm young, but I've been around Christ the King for quite a while. I first came to Christ the King when I was 14 years old, because in Mount Vernon, the youth group didn't have a drummer. And I was just someone at another church who could drum, and that kid visited and said, why don't you come to our youth group, because this church doesn't have one, and you can come drum for us. And that was my first introduction. Now, remember, for me, I, I grew up in the church. I grew up in a family where we did a lot in the church. But going to Christ the King was a little bit different. I sat at the back at a table. I remember sitting among different people, both with a homeless man at my table and a businessman at my table. And we sat at the back listening to Pastor Dave Browning give a message, and that was really different to me. That was really different. That seemed authentic. And so as we dive into this series talking about authentic Christian community, and throughout this series, my hope is not to build the perfect little church. That's not the hope. That's not the desire. But for you and I, my, my prayer is that we'd get real this morning. We'd get real about where we're at, about what's going on in our lives, about what's the area that we're struggling with, that whoever we're sitting with, we'd be real. And so, I want to share a story with you about someone, about a couple people struggling to be authentic. Because the struggle is real, whether you knew it or not. And so, there's a gal named Barb, and Barb's life is a mess. And her drinking problem is so bad, it's so out of control. Her family is distraught by it, her husband doesn't know what to do with it, and he refuses to cover for her anymore. He just says, listen, the way you're going to do things, that's, that's your deal. You do it on your own. And everyone around Barb seems to just get the idea that, you know what, it's, it's, her, it's her problem, it's her issue. So we're just going to let her deal with it. And we're going to act like everything's fine. And so it's a classic case of denial. And then every Sunday, Barb and her family dress in their Sunday best. And they go to church and they're the perfect family. They show up early, they leave late, everything looks fine and the way that the church looks at them is man if we were only like that family. Because they look so perfect. And so this is the struggle that they're they're in and then sitting behind Barb and her family is Joe. And Joe is someone that everyone likes. Partly because he's a man's man, he's got the great storytelling gene, and he's able to really get down to your level, understand where you're at. And Joe played football, so he's got great stories and great analogies. Everybody loves talking with him and and hearing about his conquests. But when Joe's all alone and, and Joe goes home, his heart is filled with emptiness. He's absolutely empty. Because of his inability to sustain long term relationships. I mean, his marriage only lasted six months. And over the years, he's driven more and more people away because of his short fuse and his unwillingness to deal with his issues. But then that Sunday, in the middle of all these issues, in the middle of all these struggles for Joe, someone asks him, How are things going for you? And his quick response is, great, they've never been better. They're going great. They've never been better. So Barb becomes more like Barbie. I mean, complete with her husband, Ken, and her perfect plastic children. Everything's fine. They come complete with a home kit. And then Joe becomes more like G.I. Joe. A plastic action hero. Everyone looks up to, everyone wants to be like Joe. He looks so great. They admire him, but no one really knows him. Everybody thinks they want to be like him, but they don't really know him. And the common thing between Joe and Barb is that inside, they're both dying. On the outside, it seems perfect, but on the inside, they're dying. Because they're not really Plastic, but that's really what their lifestyle looks like. They're not authentic. And see, today, churches throughout our culture, I mean, this church included, no one's excluded, they are filled with Barbs and Joes. They are filled with these people that are dying inside, hoping that someone would just know the internal battle that is going on in their own lives. And so we've learned in, in our Christian culture, in our, in our unchristian culture, is that image is everything. We have this idea that, that, that what counts is how you look, how you sound, and the impression you make. This is what we believe matters the most. And so we as a Christian community have perfected the fine art of faking it. I mean, have you ever heard the term fake it till you make it, which completely contradicts what Jesus calls us to to be authentic. And so you and I are called to live on mission. And as we start out this series, I want to get really honest about something that you already know. But I want you to know that I know church is really messy because it involves you and I. The moment you find a perfect church and you attend it is the moment that becomes an imperfect church because you and I are imperfect people. So you and I are called to live on mission and to love the church. Here's the piece that I think is really interesting. We have people that love to live on mission. We have people that love to love the church, but you cannot have one without the other. Here's why because Jesus died for it. Jesus died for it because God loved it. You and I are the church. And is it messy? Absolutely. Are there things that are done wrong at times? Absolutely. Do we need to own some of those things? Yes. Let's have conversations about that and own those things. Let's get real about the issues. Let's get real about where we're at, but acknowledge that we can't stay here. And so you and I are called to live on mission. And so this morning, what I want to do is look at how we can live on mission as an authentic Christian community. How we can live on mission as an authentic Christian community. Because authentic Christian community is getting real about where we are. Authentic Christian community is getting real about where we are. I mean, here's the interesting thing. Jesus knows where you're at. I mean, he made it very clear when he sat with Matthew, a tax collector, and the sinners and the prostitutes, he said, I didn't come for those that were righteous. Let's get real about where you're at. But here's the struggle. If we let people in to know where we're at, if we let them into the mess, we risk being rejected. And that's the difficult thing. If you only knew what I've done, if you only knew what someone has done to me, if you only knew what I've walked through, this is what we believe. And so we don't want to get real. And anyone knows that when you feel shame from your past or your temptation or your sin, the two first things to go are good Christian fellowship. I'm not just talking about Christian, any old fellowship, some, some Facebook mingle page, but, but good biblical Christian fellowship and personal time with God. These things begin to go. But fellowship among believers for you and I is all about building each other up. See, if you and I are going to get real about where we are individually, corporately, we have to understand that together, going from here means we're building each other up in that process. And as we build each other up, we need to understand that those building each other up and and even calling stuff out in each other's lives should always be in two ways, full of grace and with a desire to grow. And specifically in that order, specifically in that order that we extend grace and we desire to grow. And in that specific order. So let me ask you a question for you. As you think about your relationship with God and, and as you think about this moment about getting real, if you were to really get real, if you were to be honest with yourself right now, what's in your closet? What are you hiding from others? What are you even maybe hiding from yourself? Because here's the interesting thing, church. The Holy Spirit knows where you're at. And he's not shocked by what's going on in your life. He knows exactly where you're at. He knows about the struggle. He knows about the issue. And he's wanting to invite you to let it go. And see, for whatever, reason, for whatever reason, when we look to really ask that question, what we often do is kind of take everything else out of the closet, but, but then we really feel maybe fearful or insecure and go, I'm just going to leave that piece right there. And I'm going to clean everything else. Everything else in the closet looks good. Everything else in the closet is organized. It's in its proper place. But let's just leave that one piece right there. I don't think we need to touch that. God knows I'm kind of working on that. We don't need to bring it out of the closet. But see, if we, if we never get to the heart of the issue, we'll always have an issue. See, when, when I first got my truck, I'll give you an example. When I first got my truck, and it doesn't have powered steering, so I have gained some muscle in my arms because that's a very difficult task um, to not have power steering, especially when you're trying to parallel park. It's just not easy. But one of the things that I noticed over time is that my driver's side tire had a slow leak. Now, I had friends that none of us really know about cars. We just think we know about cars. And, and they would help me diagnose the issue. And I remember someone saying uh, to me, your tire is flat. Your, your driver's side tire is, your front driver's side tire is flat. And I went, no. You know, it's driving kind of weird. It probably needs new spark plugs. Let's spend some money on spark plugs. Maybe I need an oil change. let's, Let's do an oil change. You know what? I think I need a new stereo. That's what it is. It's really in my head and I need a new stereo. And then finally, that person convinced me, let's just stop at Les Schwab. Let's just stop there and fill the tire. And we filled the tire and it was the most incredible drive of my life. Because I had about a uh, about a 35 uh, psi tire running at about 12 psi, and all along for months I was never really addressing the real issue. I kept thinking, man, it's it's someone else's diagnosis, it's someone else's issue. It must have been something that the guy did before. Maybe it's the alignment. I'll spend a lot of money. I'll address it differently, and it was free didn't cost me anything. I showed up at Les Schwab and they said, yeah, this is what we're here to do. Let's take care of the real issue. And see, I think if we're going to ask ourselves, what's, what's in my, what's in my closet? We need to get real about the real issue because we keep naming other things. And the truth is most of you really know what the problem is and the Holy Spirit knows what the problem is. And see, we can go to God through the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 26 says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. Some of us don't even know the issue that's in the closet. It says, But the Spirit himself intercedes. He goes before us with groanings too deep for words. The Holy Spirit knows what's up and knows that what you really need is a heart transformation. You need a heart transformation. Because without a heart transformed by the grace of Jesus, you're only going to continue to manage being predominantly good. Right? We've talked about this before. Without a heart transformed by the grace of Jesus, you're only going to continue to manage being predominantly good. Because when you see yourself... When we together, when we see ourselves as predominantly good, there's a couple things I need to work on, but I'm, I'm a pretty good person. That's what we demand of one another. I'm, you know, I have issues, but at least I don't do what they do. You know, I, I may have a, a little bit of a gossip issue, but at least I'm not overeating. Or I I overeat a little bit, but at least I haven't dabbled with any kind of drugs. So when we view ourselves as predominantly good, I've got pretty much everything together. That's really what we're asking everyone else to do. You need to have pretty much everything together. But here's the deal. When you and I see ourselves in need of grace, in need of grace of which we are daily, moment by moment, in need of grace, then we offer grace, and we demand nothing. We offer grace, and we demand nothing. And so getting real about where you are is really identifying what needs to be confessed. So walking through good biblical confession to work through the actual issue, to take care of the flat tire, to take care of the real issue. And what I want to remind you is that confession is not when you show up on a weekend and you, and you update someone in your sinning. Man, I, I just, I, I kind of failed this week, or man, I ate that cookie, I shouldn't have done it, you know. Man, I had that drink, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have had that. Man, I, I told that person I should have kept that confidential. It's not the post work in the conversation. It's the active conversation with God. It's the active conversations with brothers and sisters that you trust that can encourage you, that encourage you, that engage with you before you make that decision. So that you begin to reflect Christ rather than your flesh. And so confession isn't something we do passively, just a a once-a-week text. It's an active relationship where people are getting real with where they are. And then authentic Christian community is growing together in Christ. Growing together in Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, towards the end of the chapter Paul tells the church in Ephesus speaking the truth in love. We are to grow we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. From whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with, with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it is so that it builds itself up in love. And here's why this is so important, is because growing is a part of the Christian life. Growing is a critical, important part of the Christian life. I mean, when we read God's word, when we, when we study, not just read the, the, the words on the page, but when we study God's word, we're growing in our knowledge of him. We're growing in our knowledge of what he says about us rather than what we say about us. We're growing in that knowledge. When we're spending time in prayer, in silence, in reflection, we grow in our relationship with God, which allows us to reflect who God is. And so there's constantly areas where we're called to grow. I mean, as a church, a great opportunity we have is not to just gather here, but also gather in groups intentionally. Because growing also happens in groups. It's people walking through life together. But let me give you a very important piece of information, whether you have a current group or you want to start a group or want to be a part of a group. Small group environments have to be safe for people to be honest about where they are, where they're going, and what God is calling them to. But those environments, here's the important piece that we need to understand. Those environments, those groups of people are not about staying put. They're not about just gathering together, studying a small section of scripture but they're about modeling what it means to be growing together in Christ. And so they stir one another on. They build each other up in love. And see, I think, it, I think small groups are incredible. I've been a part of so many different small groups. I've led small groups with middle school students. You want to learn patience, go lead middle school students. It is a great opportunity to learn both patience and and God's love for all of his people. Um, So I've led middle school groups. I have led co-ed groups. I have never led women's groups, just in case you were wondering. Um, But I've led co-ed groups of people my age. I've led prayer groups. And all of these things, although in different categories, carry the same theme. They carry the same need is that they can't stay within a group of people just talking about where they're at. See, it has to start with people getting real about where they are at. But then it has to move into growing together. Growing together in Christ. I mean, my small group is starting up this this, uh, Thursday. And I'm so excited because in our small group, we've encountered opportunities of growth, of being real I mean, someone, I mean, in, in every week, it feels like someone is sharing where they're at and it's an opportunity to pray for them, to walk through that with them. I mean, it's something to encourage you in as well. If you, if someone in your group shares about where they're at, and that's a struggle, do one of the things we did, which our small group, we had an experience together was what we called putting them in the hot seat. We put them right in the middle. And so we're gonna lay hands on you and pray over you. See, it doesn't get more vulnerable than that. It doesn't get more authentic than that. Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. May people's odor may get in the way? Yeah. But is it important? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so this environment becomes a safe place for people to be honest. And it becomes an opportunity for us to grow together in Christ. And then just as we put that person in the hot seat, another way that we grow is through prayer. I think prayer is one of the most incredible and critical things in the church. And a church without prayer is like a car without gas. You're not really going to go anywhere. I believe prayer is so important. It's something we're called to corporately, individually. And I think our posture matters in it. I think there's times where we we feel like we're somewhat making a commitment and and we're just in passing maybe saying a, a quick few prayers but there is there's something about really getting alone in a quiet desolate place like Jesus did and spending time with the father. I think that's important to do that individually corporately. I mean James says in James five sixteen he says, confess your sins to one another. Confess your sins to one another. Genuine confession and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, what I love what James says is he talks first about seeking out God for forgiveness and seeking out one another for the opportunity of healing. So we receive forgiveness through Jesus but together we have the opportunity to gather and experience healing. And church, I really want to invite you tonight to be a part of us doing that. See, tonight we're going to have an opportunity. If you picked up one of those cards in your program, we're going to have a potluck tonight. And we're not just going to pray over the meal. We're going to do more praying than that. But after worship, we're not going to end on worship. We're going to have some time in worship, but then we're going to break into uh, prayer stations. And our advisory council is going to be leading these prayer stations. We're going to be praying for the local church. We're going to be praying for the global church. And we're going to be praying for the unchurched and the dechurched. Now, if you've never heard that term, dechurched just means those who have chosen to walk away from church. So those that have never met Jesus and those that have walked away from Jesus. And so we're going to gather tonight as an opportunity to grow together in Christ as an opportunity to pray together because i think when when we gather together we are so different we have different interests we have different experiences we have different backgrounds but when you begin to pray for one another that changes the game that changes how we see one another. Diedrich Bonhoeffer, who was a pastor, theologian, great writer and speaker back in uh, Hitler's day. Hitler didn't like him. And Diedrich Bonhoeffer, when everyone was getting on board, believing that Hitler was the savior, he was going to do great things. Bonhoeffer said, I don't think so. I think he's the Antichrist. And those were bold words to say. And so they threw him in prison. Not wanting to allow him to spread his words further, but his writings from prison show that that didn't do much work. And one of the things that Bonhoeffer boldly proclaims from his prison cell is he says, A Christian fellowship, a gathering of believers together, lives and exists by the intercession, by the prayer of its members for one another, or it collapses. He says, I can no longer condemn or hate a brother for whom I pray. No matter how much trouble he causes me, his face that before may have been strange and intolerable to me is transformed in intercession, in prayer, into the countenance of a brother for whom Christ died. The face of a forgiven sinner. And so Bonhoeffer got real and he understood that we've got we've to grow together. We've got to care for one another and we have to pray for one another. Now what I love about the word authentic is that the definition of being authentic is made or done in a way that faithfully resembles the original That's what it means to be authentic. And so for you and I to choose this morning to be authentic means that we are choosing to faithfully resemble the original authentic, which is Christ. And so as we come to a close this morning, for you and I to choose to get real about where we are today and to choose to grow together in Christ It means that we're choosing to live on mission as followers of Christ, as followers of Christ. And so I want to encourage you and invite you to not just hear this series, but be a part of living it out over the next four weeks. Let's pray.